How do you get over being a pussy? Okay? One of the things, and one of the reasons I continue to uh, expand my comfort zone, and I is to do stuff that scares you every day. Well, I've got a mentee. I'm not suggesting you do this. Picture a uh, Corvette coming at you 100 miles an hour. Okay? It's like at that back window, and he's standing in front of it. And when the Corvette gets about there, he jumps. So the Corvette goes under his feet. But there's different things you can do. Some, for some of you, it's asking somebody out on a date. We had a guy, and I'm not making fun of this. He belongs to a gym, and he finally asked a girl that's been running next to him for three and a half years. Same, you know, time of the morning. He finally asked her out for coffee. Three and a half years. He didn't pay a hooker like you did. I mean, three and a half years. <laughs> I like to say they, got, they had sex and got married. No. They had coffee once, and that was it. Hooker, hookers are easier, right? He had that one ready. He had that bomb ready. He, he, was, he knew he was going to throw it down to someone. The comedian's already like, no, he's not even a comedian. He's just Dan Pena. But he like looks in the front row and he's like, he didn't buy a hooker like you. The guy's like, what? Me? God, he's entertaining. I can't stop watching. It's like, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's like bad vibes. my father was just the opposite of this. So yeah. he's just like, this is what I needed. Yeah. What could I become? The other thing is that Trump is now back on Twitter. And so yeah, yeah. they've been people have been pulling out some of his old tweets to remind everyone <laughs> of the <laughs> of the uh, only comedy that we that is actually funny now that we have left um some of them are just absolute bangers okay and i must read a couple of them because i was stoned the other night and just reading these and just laughing out loud and some people are like now like it's not funny we're living under tyranny okay ready Many people walked out on Madonna's concert when she told them to vote for Obama. Years ago, I walked out because the concert was terrible. <laughs> As everyone knows, but the haters and losers... I can't even do his voice. Just picture Donald's voice. Okay? As everyone knows, but the haters and losers... The but the haters and losers refuse to acknowledge, I do not wear a wig, my hair, my hair may not be perfect, but it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. I love it. Oh, this That's one's great. So if you guys know who Anthony Weiner is, um, the guy that was sexing underage girls. The New York senator, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pervert alert. At Rep Weiner is back on Twitter. <laughs> All girls under the age of 18 block him immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I, this one's great. I've always been a fan of Steve. I can't do the voice. I've always been a fan of Steve Jobs, especially after watching Apple stock collapse without him. But the yacht he built is truly ugly. <laughs> <laughs> this one's classic. I've never seen a thin person drinking Diet Coke. And then a couple hours later, I guess there's a big shitstorm, and he writes, "The Coca-Cola company is not o happy with me. That's okay. I'll still keep drinking that garbage." <laughs> Bro. <laughs> And they didn't want him back on Twitter. <laughs> Comedy. God, Truly. God, bro. Uh, Ariana Huffington is an attractive both inside and out. I fully understand why her former husband left her for a man. He made a good decision. Oh, my God. This one's honestly so funny because it just shows Trump's <laughs> lack of self-awareness. It says, I would like to extend my best wishes to all, even the haters and losers, on this special day, September 11th. <laughs> 
Sorry, haters and losers. Sorry, losers and haters, but my IQ is one of the highest, and you all know it. Please don't feel so stupid or insecure. It's not your fault. Then he follows it up with, every time I speak of the haters and losers, I do so with great love and affection. They cannot help the fact that they were born fucked up. <laughs> oh, and then yeah. this final one. Okay, I swear I'll stop reading them yet. Blah, 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 blah. We usually give you gold. I'm letting someone else do the talking for the moment. Um, <laughs> he just posted a picture. This was um, December 21st, 2011. He just posted a picture of Barney Frank, who was a senator at the time, I believe. Oh, shit. Uh, I posted that picture. Senator. And it says, he just posted the photo, and it's, he wrote above it, Barney Frank looked disgusting, nipples protruding in his blue shirt before Congress. Very, very disrespectful. <laughs> Can you put the photo up of this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, coming up on the program, we have part two with Ian Bick, former inmate. Talk about a lot of things on there. I wanted to... Jail stuff now. All of the jail stuff. All the jail stuff. What yeah. goes on in there? I even asked about gay sex. Of course I did. Um, I want to give you guys a little... I always like to give people on this show tips of how to uh, piss off people in their life. And <laughs> they're useful, right? Because sometimes you want to get back on someone. They cheat on you. You know, like, you're actually angry. You're not over it. So you just want to give them a zinger or something. You earned it. You earned it. Um, what I like to do with people is, like, people are always insecure that they're not, like, cool anymore or young or hip or with it. So what I like to do is I will, and this is very manipulative, but you can do it too, is I will ask someone to do something. Like, I'll be like, oh, do you want to go to the bar on Friday? You know, blah, blah, blah. And if the person says no, you get really serious and you just go like, okay, so say it's my friend Lindsay. She says, no, I don't want to. And you just go, oh, okay. And you're like, old Lindsay would have. And that's what you do. Oh, right? my God. And then the person goes, what? Oh, my and you go, God. Old Lindsay would have. And the person's like, what does that mean? You're like, nothing. It's just, you know, you've just, you're different. And then you just yeah. drop it and you walk away. Oh my god! Try it. It's the best. I think it's the it best. It would only work with like your demographics. It totally works. No, it, just say I, it casually, and then the person yeah. will be like, "What do you?" They get all insecure. And you're like, "What do you mean?" And then, you, and then you can manipulate them to coming out. You're like, "You know, you've just changed a lot, and it's just it's cool. It's just." And then you go, yeah, "It's yeah. cool. It's just you're different now, but like it's cool. You know, whatever." Yeah. yeah. And the person's like, "What?" I, I, I'll say one thing. It would never work on me because why? Because like old Chevy was fatter. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, because like I'm changing myself so much. So if, if someone points out like old Shim would do this, I'm like, yeah. You're like, would. I don't like. Yeah, you're like, that's a problem. Would. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. problem. Yeah, like I, it wouldn't work on me, but I know that's like true. it would work on. It, it wouldn't really work on me either because yeah. old Jordan was face first <laughs> on the ground naked. <laughs> <laughs> Three MDMA pills in his intestine somewhere. I'd be like, yeah, thanks for so that. I'm like, I'm doing better. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about old Jordan. <laughs> it's a problem. Uh, anyway, anyway, sorry, I can't talk. Um, I was reminded this weekend because I was doing that to my friend, Lindsay. I was doing that line to her, and she just kind of looks at you like, you bastard. Because I've done it so many times now. I've just ruined it. They all know. It's yeah, like a bit. Yeah, just, yeah. But you guys can try it for the first time with, like, your wife or colleague or whatever. Just try it. Like, sclerotic. Remember we talked about that? Um, I was reminded of this time... You know, we were kind of reminiscing over the weekend because that's what happens when you get older and, you know, the mm. face gets a little more lined and a couple brown spots here and there on the face. You, you talk about the your old days, and, you know, and we were talking about the time where I lived with my friend who um, I don't see him that much anymore, but I was roommates with this guy and we lived in an apartment, complete shithole. It was at this place, Young and St. Clair. 
in Toronto and um which is actually a quite a nice area but we were in like a complete shithole apartment like you know laundry in the basement like the whole that, that those were the moments where I was like I need to get like I will work my ass off to get out of this situation like yeah. that's why I have such a work ethic because I'm reminded of like no those days were rough yeah so we didn't have air conditioning so my dad at the time was like oh we'll take this AC unit um <laughs> it hasn't been used for a while it was used in your sister's student house but you can bring it up to your apartment and you just have to make sure you run the hose outside so the water leaks yada yada it's like probably like three and a half feet tall so we brought it up to my place and i guess we hadn't turned it on for a long time and it had also been in my sister's um student house for years so it just hadn't been used right and also dave who the guy i lived with like we were like slobs at the time so our place was always like just gross yeah so like there well, could have been dead guys like, yeah yeah oh shit you just like you prioritize other things like a spray tan yeah or like, you know, <laughs> like important things you're like we don't have to clean the kitchen right <laughs> my views are clean like, like one good. time he wrote me he sent me an email and it was there was a video attached and it was his instructions on how i should load the dishwasher okay and i just wrote back go oh, fuck yourself <laughs> Oh my god! And then, so we ended up getting a cleaning lady. Her name was Luda. I called her Ludacris. She didn't understand what I was saying because she didn't speak English. So I'd always walk in and be like Luda to her face, and she'd just be like, "Ah, what? you sound like me." I don't know. Shim. I went shim, shim. See, I'm a rapper too. You just throw your wrist down like this. Usually, I throw my wrist like this, but as a faggot, you just turn to the right and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, so you can be a rapper. You ready? Rapper, faggot. Rapper, faggot. It's an easy. It's an easy jump there if you really jump between it. What do you want to be this Saturday? Okay, I'm getting off track here. So I would walk in and, and remember Dave was always like, can you stop doing that? Because like she screamed because I would always come in. I'd be like, I'd open the door. I'd be like, Ludacris. <laughs> <laughs> and then one started, time I started playing that song, Move Bitch, from my yeah, room. I was like, Move Bitch, bitch get, get out of the way. way. <laughs> that was also the roommate where I walked in on him and masturbating. And I said it looked like a remote control or a motorized reindeer, like at at Christmas, it's like, <laughs> anyway, so one day my mom walks in and she was like, Jordan, this apartment's disgusting. It smells in here. And me and Dave were just like, yeah, it always smells in here. Like if Luda's not cleaning, it smells in here. Yeah. And she's like, no, it's really bad. It smells like a dead body in here. And I was like, oh, she's so dramatic. Like, oh my come on. <laughs> but then I remember like, if anyone knows what a dead body smells like, it's my mom who is retired now, but she was a physician her whole life. So yeah. like, very specific. <laughs> she's not saying like, it smells like fish that you didn't clean in the sink. She was like, a you know, dead it smells body. like a dead body. Yeah. Even I was kind of like, is there a dead body in here? Like yeah. some guy we hooked up with just like never left. <laughs> And we were such whores that we forgot. <laughs> like he's just under the bed or something. I don't know. I don't know. Rapper, faggot. Rapper, faggot. So I said, you're so dramatic, blah, blah, blah. And then a couple months went by and um, it was time to use the AC unit for the first time. And uh, we uh, plugged it in and turned it on. And it started up and it was kind of sounding really weird. Like something was clogged 
and just is like, and you're like, I don't think it's supposed to sound like that. Like I thought it was going to start smoking or something. Yeah, yeah. Then all of a sudden, there's this grate on the front where the air is supposed to shoot out, and at about a hundred miles an hour, dislodged from the bottom of the AC unit. <laughs> A rat <gasps> shot out full speed. Oh my god! A decaying rat. Oh, yeah. One would say. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. One would say smells like a dead body. <laughs> oh my god! And it shot him so rapidly that I was in the I was at the back, right? I, I turned it on. I'm at the back, and I'm seeing this grate where. Yeah. Imagine just like a mesh. It's yeah, supposed yeah. to stop things from flying through, like rats. <laughs> if you have a rat in there, and it just got came flying so fast yeah. that this is all I saw of the rat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it was like him going like, hey, like right against the mesh, like, <laughs> and then he smacked me into it. Oh like my this. God. And obviously I screamed like the faggot I am. Yeah. Like hard. I think I ran like down the hall. Oh, I would I would I was do. like, oh my god! I just <laughs> ran. And then at some point we had to get the rat out yeah. because you know we had to run the AC unit. Yeah. And so because it was in like pieces and half decaying, we had to use like forceps and tweezers and just like pull out little pieces of its body. Yeah. Like through the Oh, my uh, god. oh I know. Oh. I was screaming the Couldn't whole time. Couldn't you take out, like, like the ah! whole, whole like, um, uh, the thing, the mesh thing? Like, you couldn't take it out? Because there's usually an option to take it out to fix the motors and stuff. I think we were just dumb and gay and scared. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very gay good question, but it's the only way I remember the story is we had our <laughs> pink tweezers in there. We were oh just pulling God. out pieces. I, they're not pink. <laughs> like, just pulling out pieces of this body, like, over and over. And then I texted my mom. I was like, you were right. There was a dead body in there, but it wasn't a human. She's like, I have, she writes back. She's like, I have a great nose. She knew. Oh my God. That's so scary. Bro. Yeah. I would, like, run so fast. It's not good. Not good at all. Not good. Anyway, Ian Bick is coming up. Part two. If you have some time, go on iTunes, rate the show five stars. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, hit the subscribe button at the top and if you want bonus content patreon.com slash unmentionable podcast we're going to be doing a bonus episode on patreon after part two here with ian so hope you enjoy it anything else that's it and shivam just came out to me an hour ago enjoy Um, first hour is like, well, the first few hours is like all processing. You're like, everything. So like time is just like not a thing in prison. They have no regard for your time, whatever. So you could like, when you're in transit, when you're moving around, when you get to a new spot, like it's an all day event just to get to like, get, even get comfortable. You're sitting there, you know, like they strip search you, they're fingerprinting you. Um, you get your one phone call, you're getting like all your, uh, prison issued, clothes and stuff but everything's just slow like at the pace you could do something out on the street they're doing it in a fraction of the time whether it's like they don't give a shit about the job or they don't like doing it or whatever it is it's just like it's so slow it's so uncomfortable and maybe it's just like designed to be that way too or a lack of profit motive because it's the public sector because that sounds like a lot of public sector employees yeah. just like there's no, no that's just, true you know it's just like the expectations are low so you get into your room and i i heard you were saying that it wasn't traditional single 
cells. It was basically a room with 12 guys. Um, that was when I got to the low, but the first couple of months I was in detention centers. So that was like two man cells, the door shut at the, at night, you're locked in there till the morning. Um, that type of thing. That's like the prison you're looking at, like in like 60 days in and stuff. That's all like what the detention centers are. are. But once you get to your actual designated location, like a low security prison, um, my first one was the Fort Dix prison in New Jersey. Like it was an old army barracks and each unit, there was probably like 10 units or whatever. Uh, and it would house like about 400 guys. Um, and there was two sides. So there was like 10 to 12 units on each side. The whole compound had about 5,000 inmates. And um, it was 12 man rooms with six bunk beds. There was like a little table in, at the end of it. And then three bunk beds on each side. Um, there was like lighting up top. And then there was like a big window, which, which is like, has like a wired thing on it. But the doors are free to open. Like you can roll around the unit throughout the whole, um, this three floors. So it's like a big giant house, um, pretty much. So it's like, it's like very college um, so to say. What do you do in the first few hours? Like, do you present this dispassionate demeanor just to survive so that you don't walk around like all happy and go lucky? Like, I feel like if you were like that, you'd be a target. I mean, I was a target anyways, only cause like I was really chubby. I had glasses and I looked like a sex offender which is like oh, that I was a typical sex offender looking thing. And I've been like telling these stories on TikTok and people love it. Um, so th that was like a big problem I'd encountered until eventually like I got my court paperwork in to show like I wasn't a rat, wasn't a sex offender. And then I would get like the respect in that area. Um, but the first like few days, like I'm very like a visual person. So I'm always looking around the room. I'm seeing like what my exits are. I'm seeing who to make friends with. I'm, like, that's just like how I operate. Um, so it was just like trying to pick up on things quickly. And like, I'm a big observer. Did you have a strategy, a specific strategy, types of people you would align with what you would say? Not really. I just, I didn't have a plan. You know, you don't prepare yourself to go into that. Maybe if I like um, had gotten like to self-surrender, but I was physically removed off the street. So I had no time to prepare. It was just learning as I go. And the problem is like every person you meet, it's like a new set of rules. You got to learn new etiquette. That'd be like if you got like a new roommate every day, especially if you're like moving around or going to different prisons or stuff. Um, you kind of just got to like get a feel for it. And there's so many people you're interacting with and you look at someone the wrong way. They're going to take it a wrong way. And then, you know, it's just it's crazy. It's not like on the street where, you know, you look at someone the wrong way and they go about their day like in prison. These guys are bottled up and. Like they'll swing on you for stuff like that. I heard you say on one of the TikToks that um, one of the rules of prison, you're not supposed to look in someone else's cell. That's like a no-no. What are the other no-nos? Yeah. Um, so like some I learned were um, you don't want to like hang out with the sex offenders or, or like known snitches or anything or else you could be like encompassed on that. Um, there's also like you don't want to um, – some guys would make rules in their cell, like you had to kneel down to pee in the toilet so it didn't like splash like <laughs> around, which was weird. Uh, that was one. Um, other guys didn't want you flushing like late night. Um, they wanted to make sure you're knocking on the cells when you're walking in. Like some guys would knock and then come in and say like peace to the room. Um, there would just like be scenarios like that, not uh, making sure you're sitting with certain people at the chow hall. Um, and then like your basic rules, like no cutting someone in line, um, getting off the bunk bed. Like if you have like an old timer that's on the bottom bunk and you're getting on and off throughout the night or whatever, they get pissed about that too. 
Um, so like some nights I would just like hold to, to pee because I didn't want to piss the guy off because the bunk bed shake when like you're getting on and off of them. And you're just shit. You just shit in front of each other because I guess you share a toilet. Um, in in the detention centers, yeah, or when you're in the shoe. But in the in the like the barracks at Fort Dix, like they're big communal bathrooms. It's exactly like a college campus. Like you're going into the bathroom. It's its own bathroom. There's stalls, there's showers, all that. Who gets to go to the low security prison? Is it just like white collar criminals? No, so camp, so there's the camps is the minimum. That's with no fence. That's like white collar. That's like low level drug offenses, nonviolent crimes, um, that type of thing. And you also have to have less than 10 years remaining on your sentence. Um, low security or anywhere between like zero and 20 years. You can't have more than 20 years to get down to the low. Um, and it, the Bureau of Prison scores you on like a point system. Um, that's based on your criminal history, your age. So I was scored at 12 points, which was one more than I needed. And a big factor of that was because of my age. Um, when you're under 25, you get higher points because then your risk of recidivism is, is increasing when you're at a younger age. Um, so they look at that and then um, and then that goes to a medium and then a high and then to a max. What kind of propositions would you get right off the bat to like, you know, engage in? criminal activity make money stuff like that um so a lot of guys i would meet would like automatically come to me with like credit card scam ideas and stuff they always wanted to pick my brain um i got a lot of guys that were like want to be rappers um or anything like that that found out about my like music background and connections with that so they kind of attached on to me in that sense um but a lot of it was just like the white collar guys because the white collar guys in there are always looking to improve how they can um you know, uh, improve their like scamming ability or whatever. Uh, a lot of these guys <laughs> you're going to say atone for, like, for their <laughs> sins. It's like, how can I do this again? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I met some, I, one thing I did find interesting though, that there's a big difference between like robbing a bank with a note and robbing a bank with a gun. Um, there's this one guy I met where like, he would just, he was teaching people like just rob a bank with a note. If you go in and you don't put any threats, you just say, Hey, I'm robbing this bank, like put the money in the bag. And you don't say anything. You just pass them the note and they put the money on. He only got, it was like five years and he got like $300,000 or $400,000. So when he's telling that story to people in their mind, like guys that don't have anything, they're like, I'll do five years for $400,000. Because if you're only, if you go and hide the money and you're only paying it back like a hundred dollars a month or whatever, um, so that's how like the mentality is of some of these guys. Well, I feel like some people would become better criminals when they leave because they just basically were surrounded by all this knowledge. I mean, it's all you can do. Yeah, it definitely. The, the prison system is not good to like, you know, help reform you or anything like that. They just don't have the staff. It's too like in a place like that where you have 400 guys to a one CO ratio, like by the time, like if someone was like getting severely hurt, by the time you get there or know about it, like the, the guy's going to be dead if it, if it even comes down to that point. There's no cameras in those buildings whatsoever. Um, it's just like it's an open free for all. Um, and it just like the system's designed to have you fail. Like there's that's why there's so many people that were coming back. Like I met a lot of guys. They were on a probation violation and which was good for me to see like what not to do. Um, but for a lot of people, they don't have that mentality. They're not using it to like turn their life into a positive. How many of those guys that you met and interacted with at the different places, uh, you think would just go right back into crime? 
I think like the majority of them, like I had a, a, a one of my old bunk mates. Um, I went out to see him recently and come to find out like he's back to selling drugs again. And like his point of view is like he can't really make any money with what he wants to do. And that's like all they know how to do. Um, so but I mean, I, it's like it's a touchy subject because it's like mentality is a big thing, too. But it's also like the world that was created too. But I'm just like a big believer in like if you want to make a change, like you can actually see to it to to like make that change. Yeah, it doesn't really necessarily like matter about like where you came from. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's like if they have something to live for, like a a kid or a wife, and they want to live a clean life, like maybe that could incentivize them. But I feel like with the white collar yeah. criminals, it's like they have a lifestyle to maintain, and they're not about to just start driving Uber. So you can see how they just slide back into another derivative of what they were doing before. Yeah. I mean, like to, in my situation, like people would say, oh, well, you know, you had wealthy parents or this and that, like when you got out, but I didn't depend on my parents at all. When I got out, like I got out, I got a job. I rebuilt my credit on my own. I got an apartment on my own. I got a car on my own. Like, and that was like without any like benefits or anything like that. That was just me being a hard worker and like my eye on the prize and determined. So it's not like someone can sit there and say, well, you know, oh, you have a good family to go back to. Cause I understand like a lot of people don't have like that good family to get to. I just think like you can, if, if you have like that vision and desire to, to make it happen, then you can do it. Yeah. I want to get it. I want to get to that in a second. I just want to ask you some more basic questions just for my own knowledge. Um, how does it, I've heard the saying that there's more contraband in jail than there is outside of jail. Is that true? I mean, it depends what you think of as contraband, like cell phones, there's obviously more cell phones. Yeah, drugs. There's definitely a lot of drugs. It's so easy to get it. Obviously, the price is a lot higher in jail. But there's a I met a lot of especially like the Spanish um, uh, demographic that they would rather be in prison than be on the streets because they're making more money in prison. They're sending it home to like their wives, um, like overseas or whatever, their families like these guys are making thousands of dollars a week. They're selling liquor. Um, they're selling drugs. They're doing all these different things. How many of the so guards really are in like on an it? Intricate ecosystem. Um, I would say probably like a quarter of the guards there are corrupt. Um, so at the camps, you don't need really corrupt guards to bring stuff in because inmates just run on their own to get it. But at the lows, that's a lot harder to get stuff in. Um, so that's more or less staff based. And you have a lot of staff that are sleeping with inmates, um, like women staff that'll sleep with the men inmates. Um, okay. There's also like the, all the non-guard staff, like the, um, the you got the the priests, the rabbis, you have um, like medical, you have psychologists. So that just exposes things too. Um, so whatever that like the fatuation is like with some of these women and these guys in prison, they're willing to like risk their whole lives out on the street and even their freedom to, to be with these men and do stuff with this men. So I think a lot of it definitely comes from the woman too. Um, but it, it, it is a big problem. I don't think it's ever going to like, end. there's only so many security procedures you could put in place. Yeah. And it seems to be happening at all the prisons. So as you're right, it's just like an ecosystem that's naturally created. Yeah. How did they get the drugs in if they don't get them in through the guards? Um, so I mean, at one point there was this drug like K2, which was getting sprayed just on paper and getting mailed in um that was just coming through the regular mail and then eventually they said okay you can't have cologne sprayed on it anymore you can't have colored paper but the stuff was still getting in because it doesn't have a scent to it 
And then guys would take the piece of paper and cut it up into these little strips and, and that's how they would sell it. Um, there's also like ways to get it in like through books if you're ordering books. Um, so then they started a rule that you can't get, it has to be a brand new book from like Amazon um, if you want to book in. But I'm sure even with that, if you had a connection at Amazon to get the book sent into you, like there's there's ways with that too. Like there's always going to be like a plug. And then when you have guys that like work in construction or um, work in different areas of the prison, like if they're doing garbage and stuff, that's a big way for um, um, them to get in items. But it's also like you can't cut that off because that's part of the ecosystem. Like the guys that uh, do the landscaping and stuff that have to go to the shop. If they're having someone bring items like to the to the shop from the outside or whatever it is, they still need the shop to operate. So there's only so much they could do. And there's a lot of drones too. Like that you see drones flying around to like drop off packages over the fence. So what they, yeah. oh, so I like know when I, someone's in the guard, like or in the yard, sorry, they just grab the package. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, that's a lot harder to pull off because then you got guards in the towers looking and stuff. Um, but it, it's just like super interesting to see. Did you ever think at any point you were going to die? No, I wasn't really in fear for my life like that. A lot of these guys, because at the prisons I was at, um, they don't want to leave. So like the, the the really tough guys that have worked their way down from like a medium that had like a 25 year sentence and they're down to like their last 10 or 15, they're comfortable. They don't want to do anything to get back to the medium. So as tough as some of these guys say they are, like they're at the end of the day, they're not going to try anything because they want to stay where they're at and they're comfortable. Um, this is like the best situation they'll get to until they get released. Did you ever witness any gay sex? I have to ask you. <laughs> no, I've heard crazy shit. Like there was like an incident, um, where like a sex offender had like a wooden pole, like shoved up his ass, like in the, in the, in the, um, oh my God. in the stairwell. Yeah. Like you hear stuff like that, like the stuff you see on TV. Um, but I was never involved in anything. That's good. But, but is it something that goes on that you just know is happening? Yeah, I think it's more like, so at the prisons I was at, it was more like a, um, um, a consensual thing. If anything, I don't think there was like actual like rape going on with that. Um, but I mean, maybe in certain situations, scenarios, but then there's also a lot of guys that are like gay for the stay too, where they're like totally straight, but they're, when they're there, they're just, they're gay. Holes a hole, Whoa. right, Chibi? <laughs> what is that you're saying? That's funny. So um, when you get out of prison and you go home day one, do, is that when you're under house arrest and you have the ankle bracelet on? So the first few months I was still under the halfway house, which is under the Bureau of Prisons. And that was, it was home confinement, but it was like with a, a phone. They would call the phone to see if you're home, which is fucking stupid because you could just forward the calls and they would just have a guy come out to your house once a week to see if the call forwarding was off. Um, but then when that was over after a few months, then when I started probation, that was stricter than the halfway house itself. So it was like, I got a good start and then I was going backwards, but um, that's when they put me on the ankle monitor and I was on that for a year. Do you to, how does that thing work? Do you charge it? Is it batteries? So the GPS one, you have to charge and plug in every day, but mine wasn't that. Mine was just the frequency one. So it just, it's like radio frequency with the box. So I didn't have to do anything to it, thank God. Um, And it was just the location. It tells you when you're in the house and when you're out of the house. And if a girl that you meet on Tinder is attracted to that, is that a red flag? (laughs) Um, So most of the time I wouldn't tell them. I would just, um, I was, when I was on Tinder, 
Um, well, lucky for me, half of my house arrest was before COVID. And then the other half, everyone was on uh, house arrest. Um, but when I, I would just like hit up girls and be like, Hey, come over, let's cook dinner. Um, and most of the girls like in Danbury knew of me. So they, like, they knew I wasn't like a serial killer or anything. Sure. Um, but like all my dates would be at the house cause I had like an eight o'clock curfew. So I wasn't going out anywhere. Was it your parents' house? No, I, I was living on my own at that point. Oh, okay. So basically you yeah. had to tell them ba- all our dates are going to take place here and then when they you would you show them the ankle monitor or would you cover it up at first they would they would kind of find out like after sex or hooking up or whatever because <laughs> if a girl's coming over to your house for dinner like you're gonna you, you it's probably gonna happen so yeah they would always find out that was always like an awkward conversation do you think it's a fetish for some of them i think that girls definitely love the bad boy like i think so the interesting thing is like i have more girls from out of state that hit me up than I do like where I live. Um, and like a lot of people, like they'll follow me on TikTok and they like, they'll comment and then they follow me on Instagram. And to me, like, I think Instagram's like the number one dating site in the world because one, you don't have like on Tinder and Bumble or whatever, there's a thousand other dudes messaging that girl on Instagram. There's barely anyone messaging her, maybe like the typical creeps or whatever, but on Instagram, one, if they're liking your shit, you could tell if they're into you or not. You can reply to their story, which is a perfect slide in. Yeah. Like if they post something good to eat or anything, like that's an opener. Not saying fucking I'd rather, hey I'd or be eating you. how you doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've done that. So one. like Instagram, yeah, Instagram is just so much better, and you're you're gonna they're gonna see it, and they're not gonna just put it to the side because in that moment they don't have twenty other messages to respond to. Um. So like I've met a lot of girls like through Instagram, and I just think like that's a power play. Uh, platform to use and it's definitely like underrated but you also have to know how to use it and I think it's easier for me only because like I have like a platform um, and like I'm knowing it in that sense Um, but I think there to answer your question there definitely is like this conception of like that bad boy you know you have tattoos um, you've been to prison and you're like building a platform and, and own a business I think that's definitely an attraction but do you get worried you're like a persona to someone I mean, if people like, it really all depends on the thing. Like I'm not married now. So clearly I haven't met the right one yet, but <laughs> um, it is what it is. Like everyone you meet is like a different experience to me. Like I love having like different experiences and you really never know unless you try. I think there's been a lot of people that felt a certain type of way about me. And then I turned out to not be what they expected whatsoever in like a good way. Um, and then there's also people that like can't get over the prison part. So it just, it, it really all depends. I think that's what makes me like super intriguing and like it, it makes people curious about me, that aspect, because you see, like you Google me, like, okay, you went to prison fraud, this and that. But then when you see like me talking on TikTok or anything, like, I think that's why my TikTok does well, because I'm very personable and I have like a certain character. Um, it's not like I'm just like standing in front of the screen and like talking, like I can relate to people, people can relate to me. And they like that and they have that hook to it. Um, And personality is like a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're authentic. So what do you do for work now? So now, um, well, I quit, I was working for Whole Foods and I quit them in August. I had worked up to like a team leader job and um, I was going to make like over a hundred thousand with overtime this year. And then one day I woke up and I'm like, wow, I do not see myself working at a grocery store for the rest of my life. And I'm never going to get out of the hole um, with that. And I feel like that was holding me back from starting up on social media 
that and being on probation only because it was hard to work corporate if I'm talking about like, you know, prison shit and building a thing. So I had no idea that things were going to take off the way they did. I just knew I had to try and that retail would always be there if I wanted to go back to it because I have the work ethic. If I wanted to go work at a restaurant, work at a job, like I could easily find that. Um, but I felt like I couldn't live with myself if I didn't at least try. So I quit and then just focused first on TikTok and that started to take off. And now I'm focusing a lot on Facebook. My Facebook Reels is taking off. YouTube's doing well. And now I'm working on my Instagram. Um, and so I do that. I help my dad with catering. He owns a catering company. Um, I have a frozen yogurt shop. I help out with like with the old owner of Tuxedo's. And then um, I'm just trying to negotiate like a deal to um, get like a TV series. To, to sell basically your life story? Pretty much. That's a goal. Like to, we, we envision it in like a, so first we're aiming for like a seven or eight part documentary series, kind of like what Firefest or the Anna Delvey story had. Because uh, my HBO one was just like a one time thing. Episode. They didn't buy the rights to it. That was a part of a bigger series. Um, so I want to do that. And then eventually it could go into like an, uh, a scripted show where you can run with it like Orange is the New Black turned into five seasons. I can envision it like you can kind of twist it, put like some drugs into it. You could put a lot of different shit into it and it could be like a lot of seasons because there's never in this world been a story about a, a teenager owning a nightclub ever. Do you think you're going to have the urge to just, I mean, I think probably what killed you about working at Whole Foods is you're just entrepreneurial and that's just who you are. Do you think that? Yeah, I think gonna... I, I really came to terms with that. Um, that's, I think that it was built up for a while and I was getting bored. I got bored very easily. Um, and when I came in, I was doing the same thing every day. And I was actually listening to a short today by Mark Cuban. He's like, I would rather make $50,000 a year working 120 hours a week than go make $750,000 a year working for someone else. So I think that like really stuck to me too. Um, so now it's just, you know, it's just like a grind. And I think I was too comfortable before. And now this, when you're in that feeling of uncomfortability, that's when things happen. Do you think when you inevitably rise up again, start doing well, maybe online entrepreneurship, do you think part of you is going to have that itch to get a little bit dirty? Cause that's a little bit where the money is to a degree. I mean, you have to compromise morally. A little bit. I don't think dirty. I think, yeah, I don't, I don't know about like dirty. I was never into that. Like I, I could have gotten into drugs, like selling drugs at the club. I could have done a whole lot of stuff. Anything illegal I did was like very much unintentional. I know. I, I mean more like out of hand, out. Yeah. let's say out of hand. I don't know. I think I'm more controlled this time. Like I want to stay far away from taking on any investors. Like every day I have someone offering me like an investment to get into concerts or this and that. And to me, it's like, why am I going to take on a risk with someone else's money into a high risk business to just pay back the old, it just doesn't make sense. And I think a big thing is now that I have a sustainable platform, which I never had before. When I was doing the teen parties and whatever, but I have 500 followers on Instagram back then, it wasn't even really that big of a thing back then. It was just like all word of mouth and stuff. So I think the branding is huge. And like, I'm setting the stone for when like a show does come out, I'll be ready. Like I'm working on merch, I have my website, I have everything in place. So when you look at like Anna Delvey, you look at the Tinder swindler, they got all of that stuff from the show. I'm creating that stuff like before the show, which I think is going to be huge. So I'm ready for when it does come. Nice. Shiv, I know you got a question. Go ahead. I want to know what, like you, you're talking about, you were a hustler in jail. Like what did you do in jail? Like what made you hustle there? Um, 
so uh, like some hustling things I did was like I guess I made and sold cheesecakes for like three dollars a slice. It was like a, a no big cheesecake. I actually just put a, a like a how to video on my uh, TikTok the other day. Um, so I did cheesecakes. Um, I played dice a lot, like the game called CeeLo. Um, that was fun. Um, and I was just like moving around trying to get my hands in anything like the gambling. I ran a blackjack table. Um, I was stealing onions and peppers out of the kitchen when I worked in the kitchen to sell for a dollar, but I didn't need the money. Like, what was I making five bucks a day? It was just like the thrill of it. Yeah. It was like the, the idea of like not getting caught and doing that. That's like, it's entertaining. Do you miss being in overdrive? Like, cause before going to jail, you were like in overdrive, everything was coming up. The next party already planned. Everything was like ready. Like, and then everything stopped all of a sudden. What's now? Like, do you miss that? like stressful environment because i know when i used to do shit like that like i miss the word now. is manic that you're yeah, looking for yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i don't miss this i don't miss the stress at all i think whole foods is more stressful than my life was now like that's a very high pace when you're running a team you have to deal with everyone's personalities whereas like when i was running tuxedos i didn't really have to deal with people's personalities just like angry investors um but at whole foods you have a big team of 30 to 40 people and you're dealing with a different personality every day um, so to me, that was more stressful, but I also handle stress like very well. Um, but I get the excitement now, like with the platforms growing, like now you're chasing, like the numbers growing every day, you're seeing your views, you're seeing your followers. So I think that's like that same concept of, I went from marketing nightclubs to marketing, uh, myself. It's a little bit of addiction, maybe dopamine addiction. Yeah, I was talking, I did a podcast like with this guy a couple of weeks ago and like we really got down into the root and it's like, I've always had like an addiction to like chasing popularity. It's just the only difference is now I'm using it for something good. Like that's always going to be there. Um, it's just about how I drive that into something positive. Um, so now I'm like chasing that and turning it into a positive, whereas before it was just very unguided with no plan. Does time go slower now or faster that you're out of jail? It all depends. When you look back in hindsight, it's like, wow, that went by really fast. I'm the first few months in prison felt like dreadfully slow. But then you look back, like when you go in for three years, you're like, wow, three years. And then I'll like, I met a guy that did 19 years in prison and he's a big TikTok influencer now. And just like the way he tells the story, it's like, that seems like a long time, but I'm sure like now he's looking at it. Like it kind of flew by in a sense when you, when you have that ability of hindsight, uh, to look back on it. So now like that three years was nothing, but when I was going through it, it was like so long. What was the, what is the part that you missed the most about jail? Not I miss anything about jail. I, I mean, if, if anything, it's like the, the no responsibility. Yeah. But then with that comes like that, you have that fear of missing out too. Like everyone's living their life and you're just stuck there, you know? But so did you, you like gotta, the, there's no like perfect world. Our former guest was an inmate and she said that, she misses the camaraderie and the community aspect because she came out and everyone was so isolated on their phones. So she, that, that was the facet of it that she misses. I think the problem with that is though, is that people are less authentic in there when it comes down to that. And they're more authentic here. And it's what, just about like the relationships Please. you build. 
Yeah. I mean, but now prison is flooded with like the, the people on social media anyway. So it doesn't even really make a difference. Yeah. You know, how do they, how like, they yeah, let them go on the their phone? They're on like Instagram live. Is that, is that yeah. allowed? Yeah. It's, it's just so hard to control and, 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 you know, and monitor. It's not allowed at all. I know in the state you can like rent an iPad, I think, or a phone, but in the feds, you can't do that at all. Um, it's just, it's very complicated. Yeah. Well, last question, so I know we've taken a lot of your time. Who is the worst celebrity that you met? Um, worst celebrity would probably be Tyga. Tyga and um, and 21 Savage. Just very rude. Like, Tyga wouldn't even shake a hand, take a photo, anything like that. Um, 21 Savage, he just, like, he came on, performed for a couple minutes, got off, trashed the hotel after. Um, I, I mean, really, the rappers are just the worst. Although I Shocking. will say, Big Sean was very nice. Yeah. Does anyone get shocked Big, when Big you say Sean. that line? The rappers are. I don't. Uh, yeah. Well, they make it a they make it a race thing, but it's really not. Like I posted a TikTok on it. I'm like, this is nothing to do with race. It's just yeah. the fact that rappers are notorious for this. Um, but like Big Sean, I'll always say, nicest guy ever. He was sick as fuck that day. Still came on, did a great performance. You know, did meet and greets. I don't know how many artists, especially a rapper, that would do meet and greets even after feeling like shit. So he was just really friendly, like good experience. And Asher Roth was super chill too. He came out in a snowstorm. Um, and that was like when he was big at the time. Fun times. Well, I have one last Okay, one. hurry did, up. Hurry did up. you meet anyone famous in jail? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I met two people. I met Joe. Oh, I was um, supposed to ask that question. Uh, Fuck. Yeah, we saw you. Okay, thank you, Joe. Yeah. You could just say, yeah. Jordan, you're an idiot. Uh, yeah. George Papadopoulos, we wanted to ask about. Yeah. Trumpy's yeah. guy. What do you want to know? Well, what was he like? Yeah, Trumpy's got. He's very short. Um, he's very, like, timid. He's very smart, I guess, like, with politics and stuff. He's claiming, like, he only met Trump, like, once, never actually, like, physically met him. He was just, like, in the room in the photo. Um, he had a very hot wife that came to visit. Yeah. Like he just seemed like when you talk to the guy, it's like, it, it sounds like that he just got caught at the crossfire because he was like associated by that photo. But like, I don't even guy? think he genuinely do anything. Yeah. And I, I'm sure like the judge saw it that way to only give him 14 days. Cause there's more people look at Manafort. All these other people got so much more time. They gave him 14 days. It's a fucking joke. They probably never should have prosecuted him. Um, at all so he was there he got 14 day sentence and you get dismissed on the weekends like um discharged so he left on a friday so he did 12 days it was like a monday to the following friday um were people trying he, to get photos with him and with stuff? Like the, oh everyone was trying to sell photos to tmz they were lined up up front um they were emailing it in the library you could see inmates like walking by snapping photos but the problem is he had his like five minutes of fame when he was in prison and then it wasn't worth shit after yeah yeah so yeah he didn't really but he was talking well. about how he was ru running for governor and doing politics and all this i don't even know if he ended up he said he was going to do like a podcast and stuff i don't know if he got into no that more people doing podcasts please <laughs> just please stick yeah, with no crime the, the, <laughs> Yeah, the podcast uh, realm was very flooded. It's, 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 they're still going. It still keeps going up. I'm like, fuck, leave us alone. All yeah. right, man, this has been great. Thank you so much. We'll put all your information in the show notes. What's the best uh, platform for people to reach you on? Um, If they go to my website, like ianvic.com, it links to everything. So that's probably just the easiest that has everything on there. Cool. All right, we'll follow along. Thank you for your time. This has ex been extremely enlightening. <laughs>
Yeah, of course, man. Happy to help. It's good to meet you guys. Definitely stay in touch. Of Sounds course. good. Awesome. All right, buddy. Thanks Thank so you. much. This will air on uh, Friday right, as well. We'll send yeah. you a link. All right. Awesome. Sounds good. Take right, care, guys. Peace. Okay, so that's the end of our interview with Ian. We're going to go to Patreon, do a full episode on there. Patreon.com slash Unmentionable Podcast. You can also watch the show every week on their full video content. Bye. Bye.